Hello and welcome to episode three of Stuff Ben and Mike Like. Uh, hello, I'm Ben. <laughs> I'm Mike. And uh, yeah, so we, we're here for the third episode somehow, still going, even yeah. though we of have this quarterly show. It seems. Yes, mm. and we'd like to sh- give a shout outs to all of our listener. <laughs> you know um, who you are. <laughs> yeah, you, you know. Uh, so I think we we mentioned this last time. We were going to talk about our favorite video games. Yes, we specifically mentioned that we were going to try and do it last time, and then we realised that we'd spoken about our favourite anime for like two hours, so... So we're back, <laughs> and we're continuing where we left off, except we're going to do some other stuff first, because we know everyone just loves our preamble where we just talk about stuff we've done recently. Yeah, and it's, it becomes increasingly clear that like if you only do a podcast once every like three or four months, stuff that you've done recently, i.e. Like, between this and the last part, is quite a lot. It is, so <laughs> we're going to slice through that, and hopefully... We're going to talk about stuff we've done recently. It's only going to be two or three hours. <laughs> and, that's, that's, and that's only touching on the games and anime, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, do we do anything else? Well, I'm, sometimes. I mean, I watch, like, normal films. Normal, in inverted commas. Yeah, but we don't. We don't want people to think we're normal, Mike. That's true. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's get straight into it, because, you know, we're already wasting time here. Um... <laughs> Do you want to talk about some shows you've oh, watched recently? Okay, so because things that fall into the what I've watched recently category is literally the end of the last season and the start of the new season. So which season is this? this is... It's now summer. Okay. So it actually sort of lines up with what's going on outside the window. So it's the end of spring that we had there. So yeah, we had the end of the spring season, which was surprisingly good. Yeah. And now we've got the start of the summer, summer doldrums. The summer doldrums, which uh, there's, there's a few things that I think could be good. Getting into, okay. maybe. Do you want to scroll down the list and say oh, whether it's, it's such a long list? <laughs> do, you, do you want to do a hot or not? A hot or not? Okay, so let's start with do, last season stuff. Do, do, do you want me to read out the stuff and you say? Oh if it's god, hot. yeah. Okay, go for it. It's in a it's in a not very good order. So okay, Fate Apocalypse. It, also, it hasn't got the real names of the shows on there because some of them have autocorrected on my phone and I've just left them. So, Fate Apocalypse is a Fate Apocrypha, which is the new Fate show, um, and uh, it's lukewarm. Why are you watching Fate shows? I, I don't know. I, I I used to hate them with a passion and stay okay. away from them, but now it's my hero. I assume Academia on the end there. Yes. Um, so this is continuing from second core from last season. Um, I've got into this more than I thought it would, like, because I... It's very popular. Yeah, it's super ridiculously popular. Um, it's the new shonen thing. Yes. That, yeah, that's like the subtitle, basically. Okay. Because um, the first season was quite slow for most of it, and then sort of picked up towards the end. And this is, this has been the, pretty the, good. The, this is not a hot or not. This is not a hot or not. Um, okay. Bull, bull quite room. warm. Quite warm. Oh, quite warm. Ball, ballroom? Ballroom Air Yorkosa, or Welcome to the Ballroom, is new 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 season show. Um, I'm going to say hot. Okay. Restaurant? <laughs> this is going to be great, isn't it? Um, Restaurant from Another World, I believe is the, is the English title of this. Uh, it's one this season. Um, it's basically like a show of really nice looking food and some like ditzy comedy bits. That does um, sound like a thing. Really super hot. Loving it. Okay. Uh... Yokai. Uh, elegant Yokai Apartment is, is the English name for some reason. I think that's all we need on that one. Yeah, uh, a mild. Uh, Kakegurui. Kakegurui is actually the name. That's like the insane gambling school show. Okay. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to say hot. It's good. It's very strange, but good. Katsugeki. Uh, Katsugeki Token Rambu. So it's the new Ikemen pretty boys that are actually swords show. But rather than the last iteration of Token Rambu anime, this is actually more action-y and is animated by Ufotable and actually pretty hot. Princess Principal. Um, I think could be hot, but still not fully sold on it yet. Re-creator. I'm assuming that's re with a colon in it. Of there. course it's re with a colon in it. everything has re with a colon it's in it. It's from Japan. At the moment. Um, this is, yeah, warm. Warm. Not as hot as it could be. Okay. Shingeki X2. So that's to reflect the fact that there were two Shingeki no blanks anime last season. Because there was Shingeki no Kyojin, aka Attack on Titan season two. Yeah. Um, which I would say, yeah, warm, pretty good. I meant to watch it, and then we were going to watch it as a house. And then, and then you didn't. Well, my, my, my other housemate hasn't been watching, or couldn't be bothered to watch the first season. Oh. And I don't really care that much, so I, it's not... Not Fair enough. Me. And and the other one is, of course, Shingeki no Bahamut, the, the juggernaut of anime titles. I have been meaning to watch that. Um, specifically Virgin Soul, and this is hot, hot stuff. Is it? Is it still? Is it finished now? Is it? No, it's continued into okay, this season. Excellent. So. Um, Altair. Shokoku no Altair. Um, new show, sort of old Turkish Persian setting. Um, thus far, no Arslan, sort of lukewarm. Uh, Zure. Tsuredzure Children, which doesn't have a good English translation, or at all an English translation as far as I know. Um, it's just a silly, short, sort of romantic comedy in school thing. Um, it's good, light-hearted fun. Okay. Uh, Vatican? Vatican Kiseki no Chosakan, or um, the Vatican Miracle Investigator Squad, or something. This is a hilariously stupid show, as you might imagine when okay. anime tries to tackle, like, priests... Action priests. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Silly. Silly good. It's it's my kind of good. But you're not giving a temperature, Mike. It's probably like 28 degrees. It's quite warm. <laughs> it's not the hottest I've had. But, you it's know. no heat wave. Uh, classroom? Uh, classroom of the Elite, I believe this is. Uh, thus far, quite... It's not that hot. Pretty, pretty chill. Royal Tutor? That was last season, so we're now getting into last season okay. stuff. And that was pretty that was pretty warm. Liked that good comedy. Grand Blue. Grand Blue Fantasy, um pretty lukewarm, pretty mild, it's just a good distraction. Very nice art. In this corner of the world. Now we're talking theatrical places, because it's been it's been a good year for anime at the cinema. I'll let you know, Ben. I think I touched on this before, but yeah, so in this corner of the world is one that was in cinema fairly recently. Um it's set in World War Two in Japan. It's very nice. It's good. I like it. Also quite sad in place. Genocidal Organ. That was not good. Um, one of the Project Ito films, um, which I think included like Empire of Corpses, which was so bad. And then like I went to see this and then this was also quite bad. I almost fell asleep. I think you may have noticed I've actually skipped some shows there, which are actually I, the shows I, that I've seen. Oh man. So Should I, I quiz you on them? I, I thought, well, I thought we could actually go through them together. Okay. So, yeah, um, that makes sense. Uh, Sakura Quest, which is ongoing. Are you asking me for a hot or not? Well, I thought we, you know, I'm just saying. Um, so Sacro Quest is the latest in the line of uh, PA Works shows, which are, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember exactly what I was now. It's they're, they're shows about people doing normal jobs or something like that. That's bas- basically it. Which sounds kind of awful, but it's actually great. It, it's the, the other two were Hanasaku Roha and Shirobako. Yeah. I think if you know, if, if you made a list of my top anime, Shirobako would definitely be on there. 
Hanasaka Roho would probably be somewhere down that list, because mm. although it sort of fell off a bit in the middle. So this continuing that vein. Uh, Though not really a normal job, I'd say. Because well, she's no. like queen of a village. Yes, the, this this girl basically goes to a town and then to do a sort of promotional role for a uh, as part of a tourism board and then becomes the queen for some reason and there's loads of... It's a sort of honorary queen thing and there's... They're basically just trying to revive this town by being doing tourism stuff. But it's been pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty fun. Well, the, the, the first half was a bit slow because they did a sort of a, a two-episode arc on each of the five main characters. Yes. Who are all a bit sort of archetypical yes. and had sort of predictable arcs. And now they've moved on to some more stuff and it's pretty good. And the animation's great and the music is pretty great. Although the second opening is a bit Yeah, not, not sold on that at all. Um, um, but some good Ron action on the music. Some good Ron. Uh, Ron is a composer or something just yes. in case you're not aware of that producer composer maybe something like that he's just a musical superstar he is um you were you were mushy pedal yes uh season three yeah, yeah what, what's it's new Four? generation three three i don't even know i'm pretty sure it's three because we had you mushy was, pedal then you had grand pedal. road was and, grand road season two yeah okay so yeah three so it's three so th- this is the the they did the first, uh, this is a cycling anime, and obviously in any kind of sports anime you're always looking to go to the inter-high, and they did the inter-high once, and now they're doing the inter-high again. They are. And um, just like the first season, it just randomly stopped in the middle of a race. Yeah. But you know, it's if you like your mushy pedal, it's more of the same, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it, I'm not really sure it's going anywhere mm, very interesting. It's, it's more it. of the same, but without some of the strongest characters, is probably yeah. safe to say. So, Well, I mean, the, the characters they've got have sort of stepped up in a lot of ways, but not quite as well as they did in something like maybe... Uh, Diamond Noise. That's the one. Yeah. Ben I just did, did a nice little baseball swing. I couldn't remember what it was called yeah. at all. Um, so yeah, that, that's uh, that's been pretty good. Yeah. But it's randomly finished and just, you know, there was... Just stopped. It just stopped. Not no even, fanfare. No, which is very strange. No uh, even, like, see you next ride or whatever. It will probably a see you next ride <laughs> at the been. end, but... But I was still expecting an episode next week. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, then there is Caddo, The Right Answer, which actually I actually haven't watched all of, but I've watched a couple of episodes of. It's just, oh, I just really liked it. It was so different from, like, anything else I've seen. Like, ever, basically. So, I mean, I was going to explain the setup where he goes to, like, that steel factory. <laughs> that just seems completely irrelevant. Um, well, there's, a, there's a guy who's a government negotiator. He's a government negotiator, which is a great job. Um, and then, basically, this giant glowing cube sort of drops out of the sky um, and swallows up, like, a plane full of people. And it just sort of sits there on the runway. And everyone's like, what's this giant glowing cube? And then it turns out that, like, some guy from another world's come in and he's here to share knowledge and abilities and things with mankind. But can mankind handle these, these knowledge and abilities? And if only they had a great negotiator. I, yeah. Tafu negotiator Shinto can... But you enjoyed it. Yes, I did. I, I really I, liked it. I got really put off by... The, the first episode was mostly, you know, traditionally 2D animated. Right at the end of the first episode, or episode zero it was, suddenly everything became 3D and then it kept on being randomly 3D. And I get very put off by 3D animation. I know you get used to it after a while, but I find it very off-putting, especially when it's jumping between the two. Yeah, um, and for the that, first... 
first couple of episodes, yeah, I had to actively try to, you know, not balk at the animation. But, like, yeah, you do then settle into it. And it does. I was going to say it works. I mean, it's fine. Like, and it, the, the show is good on its own regardless yeah. of the animation. So. And I watched a show which you didn't watch. What? I watched... Uh... I don't actually know what the Japanese title is, but the English title is a rather awfully world end. What do you do at the end of the world? Are you busy? Will you save us? Catching. Which is a show about there's it's like the future and there are there are no humans left and all there are is fairies and kind of animal people. And there is one guy who is the last human left and he is for some reason it's not really clear he was like a hero except now he's just doing a fairly normal kind of basic basic level military job and he has to look after these girls who are fairies and the fairies take giant swords and go off and kill monsters and then usually they go and kill monsters by just exploding and he's like no no you can't explode I'll teach you how to fight real good and then there's a girl and then there's a thing in her hair head and it's all really strange and there's reincarnation and it just it kind of really felt like it was going somewhere very interesting and then it all sort of fell apart at the end and was really mm. quite disappointing. So I, I, I had, I mean, I, I probably shouldn't have had, but I did have quite high hopes for it and it really just didn't didn't go anywhere with that. So. Yeah, like that, the premise, of, such as it is, of what you just described sound like it could be interesting. I mean, the, the execution for most of it was pretty good and it wasn't overly fan servicey, and the characters are quite interesting, but it just... This really didn't go anywhere, and mm. I'm, uh, I'm I'm sad about that. Yeah, that's a shame, especially if it's only like one of the two shows that you watched last season. I watched three shows. <laughs> there was that, there was Yomishi Pedal, and there was Sakura Quest. Oh yeah, yeah. So there you go. I was um, I was unfair on you, Ben. So what I have been doing is playing loads of video games. Always a good good use um, of your time. I, well, it's going to be going back, you know, again three months. So I, I've I've had my I, I've been playing lots of stuff on my Switch because. I can take it to work and I can take it everywhere and I can switch to the TV, to handheld. Am I sort of... We're getting Nintendo money after this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I've got um, the email. Yeah. yeah. Mike hasn't been using a Switch at all, which I find no, very disappointing. It's, 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 it's really bad. Like I spent quite a lot of money on that and then yeah. it's mostly just been sitting there. So I played loads of Zelda. I played... Um, Splatoon 2 just came out yesterday. I was playing that last night, really enjoying that. I got ARMS, which I have been... Which I played loads of the, the the global test punch for, which was sort of the, the beta uh, multiplayer thing. I really enjoyed that, and then I actually got the game. Various circumstances has led to me not really having played much of it at all, so that's a bit disappointing. But I, I keep meaning to get back to that. Uh, we may, might play some of that later. Yeah, why not? Um, I've been really enjoying some eShop games. I bought Shovel Knight, Spectre ah. of Torment. Well, I bought the... the uh, I, I, I'd played Shovel Knight before. I'd owned it on the 3DS. So Shovel Knight is a game. It's like a retro-style platformer. It's really, really good, actually. It's got great music. It's really just well done. Uh, and origin, original, there was a, it was a Kickstarter. And was, you know, surprisingly actually good for a Kickstarter. Mm. Um, I think that was before Kickstarter was just yeah. flooded with like indie games. And there was sort of the initial release where you play a Shovel Knight who is a knight with a shovel. And then there was another, there was sort of an add-on thing for free where you get to play as Plague Knight, who is one of the bosses from the first game. And then you get to play as... Uh... Plague Knight was just the same levels, but just playing as a different character. And then you got Spectre of Torment where you get to play as... Um... 
Damn it, I've completely forgotten his name. Spectral Knight. Oh, this don't, is awful. Don't, don't Google it. No. It's fine. Um, he's a, like, he's, he's like the, the Grim Reaper Knight. They completely redesigned all the levels for this. And it's just, it's really good. And the, it can plays in a very different way. And uh, it's just, it's a really good game. And you get, then they're going to release, I think, another campaign, which is King Knight later on. And the game will finally actually be done. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it surprises me that they're still so like, it, supporting it, it. If you bought the game initially, I think the, the price has gone up now, but if you bought the game initially, you, you're getting all this stuff for free, which is pretty crazy. And yeah. there's, there's, like, there's co-op, I think, in the main campaign. There's loads of other modes and things, so it's, it's really good. Um, that sounds pretty sweet. They've got a good lineup of games just yeah, on the eShop. Yeah, uh, there was also Blaster Master Zero, which okay. I bought. Um, I played the original Blaster Master on the... Uh, on an NES emulator ages ago, but I hadn't got very far into it. And th- this is a lot of the same. Basically, you are a boy who's called Jason Frodnick. Brilliant. Who, he has a pet toad, and this toad, like, hops away and disappears down a magical wormhole. He goes into the magical wormhole and finds a tank, <laughs> and then decides he needs to go off and destroy some mutants. Well, and then you? meets a girl who, is, turns out, is an android, and then has to defeat the mutant lord, and... It's all just completely overdone, and you're playing as a guy called Jason Frudnick. S- sounds like my kind of game. Um, it's it's you know it's a retro style. It's sort of it's got uh, side scrolling sections where you're in the tank, and then it's got overhead bits where you're you can go into caves. It if you played Blaster Master, which you might not have done, but it it's pretty much just the same. But it's a it's a good solid game. I've got quite a few hours of fun out of that. A couple of other eShop games. There was Kamiko, which is a quite a short thing. I think it was like four pounds or something and you just go around and murder some stuff and it's all pixely and it's great good old um, murder yeah yeah my as i was saying earlier um i've mostly just been using my switch for one two switch whenever i've got like people around and who haven't seen a switch before and then they can be like oh look at this crazy game we got, see that yeah. you're, you're just yeah, you can like milk a cow and like pretend to be a gorilla and there's actually a news thing today saying oh here are some fun new ways to play one two switch. I saw that. Where you can like you're saying why not why not have like pass the Joy-Con between different people and why not have to stack up cups every time you play it, a game. It was it was pretty embarrassing just reading it to be honest. It, I mean they're really still trying to push it somehow by saying look at all the things you could be doing by just playing your own parlor games. What they really should have done is just put it with the console. It, yeah. But oh well. I mean, I've, I've had some entertainment value out of it. I can't complain too much. Um, on no... yeah. the, other, the other gaming front for me, I was going to say, because whilst I haven't been playing as much as you, obviously, because I've been too busy watching that ridiculously long list of anime. Um, so since the last podcast, whenever that was, March, I finished Final Fantasy fifteen. That right. was a pretty big deal. Um, took me quite a few hours. Final Fantasy sixteen must be out by now. <laughs> So working, extrapolating out from the previous rate of release, probably like, what, 20, 2030 by the time we get the next one? Uh, I really don't know. Uh, but, so then, yeah, that took me about 50 hours or so. Like, I was actually ended up really enjoying it. Like, most of the reviews and the comments of people I've heard who played it were like, the first portion of the game where it's like the open world and you're just driving around with your bros is like really amazing and then it just sort of goes off the rails and downhill and like, it's rubbish, don't bother. Um, but, as far as I can tell, people who are saying that, it's like, have you not played a Final Fantasy game before? Like, that's what they do. 
<laughs> basically all the time. The story just goes to somewhere completely stupid. Um, they don't know how to wrap it up and they artificially extend whatever. Um, so it's a similar sort of stuff, but like it's all enjoyable. Like the combat isn't great, but the characters and the settings are phenomenal. And as I've mentioned previously, like just the little details in that game are incredible. Um, I didn't, I decided not to delve into the ridiculous amount of like post-game optional content mm. or I'd be there for at least another 50 hours uh, without much to show for it. So I then moved on to Torment Tides of Numenera. No? No, no? Not, not ringing um, bell. So it's like uh, a CRPG, so it's like isometric. Did I even talk about this last time? I might have done. Possibly. Um, Top-down like isometric uh, party-based RPG thing. Uh, very story-driven um it's based on uh the numenera like tabletop role-playing game what is crp is that classic rpg i've seen it written differently in computer rpg sometimes which doesn't really tell you much no that really tells Um, you nothing (laughs) like sort of like baldur's gate or whatever um but yeah it's based on the numenera sort of world uh and the lore is incredible it's really interesting um i'm really getting into it it seems i only play games that take up tens to hundreds of hours which is really bad because <laughs> i've just got this massive backlog but yeah. hey well that that's what i'm that's why i'm looking forward to having splatoon 2 there is because it's something i can mm. duck in and out of yeah but uh it, it's good to just sort of have that you, you get the sort of the long burner games and you get the games which you can sort of sort of go in and out of and play a bit of for and sure i bought the uh just this week actually i got the the breath of the world dlc ah which i think the first part of is not going to be it's not that much a lot of it is really just sort of enhancements to actually make playing the, the sort of main game better which is a bit cheeky so there's a th- yeah there's a thing which shows you where you've been on the map which is surprisingly ah. useful in saying ah there is a lot of the map that i haven't been to um there is also the there's a, a sort of series of dungeons you get for upgrading the master sword uh which is pretty fun you get a hard mode, which I'm not going to touch because Don't I'm bother. not a sadist. The, but basically, the, the, there's one DLC thing that you buy, and I think it's 18 quid. Oh, that's which quite is a, steep. A bit steep. But then I think the second thing, so the first one is the, I can't really call it. The second part is called the Champion's Ballad. I think that's going to be a lot more content heavy. Yeah. So by buying the whole thing now, you're not you're not getting a lot now, but you're kind of trusting that you'll get load of stuff later on i think there's going to be some story content in there it looks like that relates yes. to the the champions that are in the game so yeah when they revealed those at e3 um despite me not having really played any of the game at all um yeah it basically looked like these two parts the first part was just like challenges yes. and like extra little tidbits of open world stuff which i was just like i'm not interested in whatsoever um, even if I have played the game. Um, and then the second part actually looked like interesting sort of story mm. additions that you would be interested yeah. in if you were invested. Um, and so maybe if I enjoy the game, I might end up picking it up for that. But there you go. We'll see. Um, so I guess we should... Move on we, to the main the segment. main event. Yeah, so we're going to talk about... We're each going to talk about our top five video games, which a, a, a video game is a game that you can... It, it's, a, it's a C game. It's a game that you play on a computer. <laughs> Indeed. A CG. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, so I think after that, we may talk about some, some of our runners-up and ones that didn't quite make the list for whatever reason, but sort of are making the list, but aren't making the, 
proper list. It's, they're making the cop out list, yeah. basically. Um, so I think that yeah. So what... in a similar in a similar way to when we were talking about our top anime, I well, think yeah. the idea is to give our listener um, that insight into sort of where where our tastes are coming from yes. when we're talking about stuff in general, like when we're talking, you know, yeah. we're talking about. Zelda or Shovel Knight or whatever, like, what games we like, what games we don't. So what what games do you like? What games do I like? Just in, in a very general sense. That's a really, it's a really big question. Um, I have enjoyed at one time or another games in pretty much every genre, so, like, just to be really unhelpful. I, I play all sorts. Um, sports games? I mean... Realistic not... sports games? Realistic sports games. Uh... NBA Manager 2010, no. Um, I don't think that's a thing. That, that's a thing. I got that free from like some Steam gift. Oh, moment. really? Okay. Um, but uh, maybe that was World Basketball Manager 2010. <laughs> uh, I, I mostly enjoy RPGs, I guess is probably the best way to categorise it, which is in itself quite broad as mm. a category. But I like story-driven stuff. Uh, I like Bioware RPGs. I like JRPGs. Um... And, yeah, those are the main ones. But I also get a kick out of lots of different stuff. So I like playing multiplayer stuff with the crew. Mm. Um, play some Splatoon with yourself, or yeah. have done previously. Um, I I like sort of Total war type, sort of strategy. half-management. Strategy, yeah. that's the way to put it. Yeah. Um, XCOM. XCOM, big. yeah, big fan of XCOM, Fire Emblem. Yeah, strategy stuff is good. Um, yeah, it's, I, I like sort of thinky games, I guess. Oh, thinky games. Thinky games. Okay. Um, but that's also not to try and make it sound like I like particularly intellectual games because a lot of them just aren't. Yeah. So, how about yourself? Okay. Well, I th- I think that the first thing to say is that on my list, I think you get that really can't actually remember what's supposed to be on there now. There're going to be quite a few JRPGs. Mm. The thing to keep <laughs> in mind here is I don't really like JRPGs in the general sense. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I, th- these are games which I like, but then there's also, I tried to play other, especially modern JRPGs. There is not a game, a JRPG, that's a Japanese-style RPG, in case you don't know, um, that's been released after about the year 2000 that I actually really enjoy. So, uh, yeah, well, I mean, voice acting is a thing in that I really don't like voice acting in games where there's a lot of reading, a lot of text. Mm. It can get, unless it's actually really good voice acting, I find it can be quite grating. So basically, I find as as a fan of JRPGs, any game these days with voice acting, if there's no Japanese voice track, that's going to really grate on me. Um, and even if there is a Japanese voice track, as you say, lots of text, usually mm. you find yourself just scrolling through and skipping it yeah, anyway. I just, if you're going to have a game with lots and lots of text in it, I can just read the text. I'm fine with that. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to talk about that <laughs> later. Um, what other games are I like? I like, I quite like shooters. Mm. It depends what, we, we both talked about Titanfall 2, I think, last time. Yes. I've been really enjoying that. I like sort of. I like shooters that do things in interesting ways. I mean, uh, Titanfall 2, or the original Titanfall, Spec Ops, The Line, Splatoon, things like that. Um, those are three very different shooters. Those are three very <laughs> different shooters. Uh, I, li- I like Nintendo games, to be honest. That's a very good way of That's putting That's basically it. a genre. I-, yeah. I like the way that Nintendo does games. They make games that are very, well, generally. When Nintendo makes good games, they make games that are very 
tightly done. They're very polished. They're very polished, well thought yeah. out. And that's except with, with some major exceptions. But you know, when you talk about Nintendo games, that's the kind of thing you mean. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of like some strategy games, but I generally tend to find strategy a bit over. Well, I I tend to sort of go into a strategy game and say, oh god. I need to think about everything. I'm quite a completionist. If you put me in an open world game, I struggle because I will want to go into Skyrim and pick up every cabbage. Yeah. And that's why I've never really got into Skyrim. That's that's, that's very much the same as me. Um, pretty much exactly, at least on the Skyrim point. I'll, sort of, I'll be wanting to go around and check everything and check every nook and cranny. It takes quite a while with me in games just to say, okay, I'm just going to put blinkers on myself and push forwards. Yeah. Which is why I think the Breath of the Wild open world design is so refreshing because it doesn't go down the route mm. of look at all these things on the map that you have to do and mm. you can go around and collect. Like you, it's it's even if you're a completionist type mindset, yeah. like you set all those goals for yourself, yeah, and you do it at your own pace. And also, I mean, and th- this is another thing to say. I quite like linear games. Mm. Uh, p- people say, oh, this game is so linear. Uh, I. I like, you know, saying here is the goal, go to it, because that way you know exactly what's... You can curate that really well and you can pace it. You can put a good story to that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with a linear game. Um, Maybe we'll we'll get on to this later in some of our choices. Let's get on to this later. In fact, we probably should have talked about most of this in terms of the games we're talking about. But anyway. Do you want want to kick off your house? Sure. Why not? Um, I mean, another thing to note is that I think... I generally, people say, oh, you're kind of a hipster and you like unpopular things. Most of these things yeah. on my list are going to be fairly mainstream things. If you had me as a top 100 game list, most of them would probably just be on there. Mm. There won't be any big surprises here. So, But is that because top 100 games lists are like <coughs> curated by games journalists who are in themselves fairly hipster? Like, are, you, are you about to break out Skies of Arcadia as like your top one? Uh, I've never played Skies <laughs> of Arcadia, but okay. um, I mean, I I could start at the top of my list. Let, let's just go. Launch Super, into it. Super Mario Galaxy. Okay. Th- I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before. Um, so a little bit of backstory here, because you know I just want to talk to you more. Um, I got my Wii in 2007. The Wii came out came out in 2006. For about two months, I had no games other than. Wii Sports, good game, which is great, but not after not not for two months. Um, I remember staying up until about three o'clock in the morning, on a school night at a time when sort of online streaming didn't really exist, to watch a guy play super, play the Japanese release of Super Mario Galaxy on Justin TV. Wow, and that just blew my mind. I was like, this is amazing. And then when I actually got the game, I got it at Christmas. Nice. 2007 and I played the game and it's like it's just it's just such a good game it is I, I, I would describe it as if you if you're going to sort of create something and say this is you know the most perfect game I would say that's it because absolutely everything about it is so polished the graphics are great the controls are just really good the music is outstanding the level design is outstanding everything is different there's sort of never quite the same thing in every level I mean, it's a 3D Mario game. You're going around collecting stars. Um, there's loads of cool things. It, the, the way that it's set is it's in sort of space, but it doesn't just have a space theme. There's lots of tricks going on with gravity, but there's also things going on with 
other stuff. There's always little puzzles you have to solve, and it's just a really, it's just a joy to play. It's like playing fun. Wow. And uh, I'm sure I had a lot more to say on this, but it's just, it's just a really good game. And uh, I, people often say Super Mario Galaxy 2 is a better game. But I, that, I, I remember when I got Super Mario Galaxy 2, I was very excited about it. Mm. Obviously, having loved Super Mario Galaxy 1. Sorry, my throat is drying up. Here. Just it's Super Mario Galaxy. It's 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 a very, very, <coughs> very emotional thing. Emotional topic, close to your heart. Um, and the way Super Mario Galaxy Two starts out is in two D, okay. and you kind of you go into a sort of two D sort of Mario level. And I was like, this is. I'm I'm not really that big a fan of sort two of D Mario games. Mm. I've always been much more of a three D Mario person. I was like, why would you? And then it goes into 3D later on. And also in Super Mario Galaxy 1, it started out, you arrive at this thing called the Star Festival, there's toads everywhere and there's celebrations, and it's all really kind of cool, and then there's a huge cinematic thing, and Bowser comes in and tears Peach's castle out of the ground and takes it into the sky, and it's just... It's so cool, and it's really cinematic. It's basically unlike anything that usually happens in Mario game. Super Mario Galaxy 2, it starts out in 2D, and then you just show up, and they're like, I guess we're going to go collect 120 stars or something. And that's it. And, I mean, the, the, the levels are probably in general better, but I didn't necessarily like the Yoshi sections that much. And Super Mario Galaxy 1 just feels to me like the whole package. It may It's possibly a bit easy in terms of, mm. for some people, but it's a really good game, and I think it's just it's just so well-crafted. And, uh, yeah, that, that's definitely one of my favourites, if not my favourite, ever. Game or Mario game? Everything. Well, there you go. Um, I guess, I, yeah, my experience of 3D Mario games is pretty limited. So, like, if someone asked me on the street, I don't know why they would, if, if I liked 3D Mario games, I'd probably say no. But the truth is, really, I haven't really given them a chance to get well, into them properly. I played Super Mario 64 a lot. Yeah. I really like Super Mario 64. I've never actually played Sunshine. Yeah, this is what I was going to say. I played a lot of Mario 64 <coughs> back in the day, and that was about it. I never played Sunshine, though everyone raved about how amazing mm. Sunshine was. Um, and as a GameCube game, GameCube was like my console. Um, I probably should have done. Sunshine really. is a game I swear I'm going to get around to someday, but... It's, it seems like the hour has passed, Maybe. to be honest. Maybe if they virtual console it for the Switch. Well, that, that, that's also a hope. <laughs> um, but yeah, my my experience of Super Mario Galaxy is it was it was that big Christmas game. So actually, mm. my cousin got it for Christmas. Um, I was spending spending Christmas with them, um, and it said on the back of the box one to two players. <laughs> so we were like, okay, let's do that. So obviously, he was player one. Um, I was player two, and how that works is. Um, Player one plays plays the Mario game, and player two can can fire stars. You you, you collect <laughs> you collect little things called star bits, and player two can point at the screen to pick them up and then shoot them at people. And you can like click on enemies to make them stop. But it's yeah, it's kind of like the thing where if you play if you if you've got a sort of older brother playing with a younger brother, or if you've got a parent playing with a child, they can just say here, just do something. Yeah. You know? Um, so that was fun for about two minutes, and then I think we put it down. Um, 
Playing as player one is great. <laughs> I can believe it. I can believe it. Though that actually does remind me of um, like the five-player mode in um, Super- New Super Mario Brothers Wii U, U? <laughs> um, where yeah, you have up to the four people like running around as you know yeah. players. And then the fifth person on the Wii U gamepad gets to like place down platforms mm. and like reveal hidden things and all that sort of stuff. And I love playing that as that person. I love putting the platforms There's down. There's lots of great stuff that they never quite did with the Wii U. Yeah. But yeah. Well, anyway. But um, yeah. Super Mario Galaxy. It's cool. Great. Yeah. Uh, High praise. Possibly favorite game ever. Possibly favorite game ever. Well, we'll see. I'll get on to the others. We'll we can... see indeed. Let, let's go on to your first pick, which doesn't have to be your favorite game ever, but I feel like. Super Mario Galaxy is just an easy one to talk about. Okay, so I should launch into mine, I guess. Um, I'll go down the order that I've written it in this little notepad document on my phone. Um, and as with as with the anime list, uh, some of them have been, been a bit autocorrected. So the first one on my list is Tale, Tales of Symphonies, um, which is actually Tales of Symphonia. Um, so we were talking about JRPGs earlier, obviously. Um, and it will be no surprise to learn that my my list has a couple of a couple of those on there. Um, so the Tales of series um, is it's a long running, long long running now series of JRPGs uh, published by Namco Bandai, um, Bandai Namco. However, they decided to style themselves at the moment. Um, and the formula hasn't really changed that much like sort of some of the mechanics and like how how things work out but basically it's a jrpg in the sense that it's story driven party of characters uh big world to explore um lots of twists and turns um you know leveling up elements all this sort of stuff and yeah, I don't really know what I was going to try and say here, but Tales of Symphonia um, was the first one of that series that I ever played, and that was on the GameCube. Um, Is it the first one in the series? It's not it? the first one in the series, uh, and it's worth pointing out that the tale, different tales of don't like aren't related to each other in any way. Um, it's very Final Fantasy in that sense. There's lots of common threads, so like, again, similar to Final Fantasy, like the sort of guardian spirit type folks that will, okay. will be the same across the games. Um, uh, the first one, I can't remember what the first one was but it was on the gamecube um and i picked this up because one of my brother's friends left it for my brother to borrow and play um but he never really never really played it so i was like okay i'll do this and got massively into it um and it's just really really good like Mm. i love the characters i love the setting i love the music, the music's phenomenal, um, and it's it's just an amazing story. Uh, it does the classic JRPG stuff, as I touched on before, about like sort of you think it's going to end, and then they pull out some ridiculous twist from nowhere, mm. like silly nonsense, and then it carries on. But like it works, even when it's doing that. Like it's, I was going to say believable. That's not strictly true, but. It brings you along for the ride, and you enjoy it, and the combat, whilst quite straightforward, like, doesn't get old, even over 
the literally hundreds of hours. Mm. So I've sunk thousands of hours into this game. Is it's it worth pointing out? Is it turn-based combat or is it? No. So yes, that's what I was going to say earlier and forgot to. So the the way it works is because obviously a lot of JRPG combat is turn-based. Um, but this is so like you'll be walking around an open world, you'll bump into a monster, and then it will break into a separate battle sequence, and it's real-time combat. So for this. Tales, so Tales of Symphonia, you're basically on a 2D axis um, with the monster that you're targeting currently, hmm. um, where you can run towards and away from them, and then you can also free run and go around. Uh, wait, do they have free run in that one? Possibly not. But yeah, anyway, uh, it's real time, and you run in and you like. It's almost Smash Brothers y in that you have like normal attacks and hmm. then you've got your special arts, special attacks, sort of thing. Um, and that. Again, quite simple, but there's a bit of depth to it in how you level up your characters. Like, you can lean them towards more combat-y, more, like, normal attack-y, um, or strike, as it's called in the game. Uh, and that will make them learn certain types of abilities, or you can make them more technical, which they'll use more of their arts, and they'll learn different types of abilities down that side. Um, and, yeah, it, it just works really well. And, yeah, I've, I've played it for thousands of hours, so I've completed this probably at least six or seven times um and at least two or three of those is literally doing everything in the game okay and as a sort of slightly old school jrpg that's a lot yeah. of content and you know you're looking through a game facts and going okay so at this point i need to go here and do this and oh i've done this bit of story so before i talk to this person i need to go off to this random island that i went to before and talk to this new npc who's appeared who'll like teach me this technique and then i go and talk to someone else and he'll give me the strongest weapon in the game and all this sort of stuff um i always love the quest to get the strongest weapon in yeah the game. They're, always fun. they're always good uh and also costumes is, is, is a big thing in the, in the tales as well so like there's a particular quest in in this in this game where basically as part of the story there's this village that gets burned down basically mm. by bad guys um and if you go there later on in the game there's this guy who looks a bit like a pirate who lives on a boat who's rocked up at this um rocked up at this village and he's like created this fund to like restore restore the city um and you basically you can donate money to him gold um gold gold G A L D, gold, whatever. Um, and you donate money to him, and you literally see, like, every time you donate like a hefty sum, there are certain, like, checkpoint milestones. Mm. Like, when you then next come back to the city, it's actually, like, been built, built up, and, like, you see these changes, and it's actually really, really amazing and really cool what they've done with it. Um, but basically, you keep giving him loads and loads and loads of money, and, you, like, you make this. What was just a little village effectively mm. before into quite this big metropolis, um, and then when you've eventually given him like all the money in the world, like this often requires a lot of grinding to get yeah. the money that you need. Then at the very end, he gives you a pirate costume for, for your main character, and it looks phenomenal. And you're like, was that worth it? Maybe. It <laughs> sounds like a solid yes to me. Yes, uh, it's definitely a yes when you do it once. Why I. D- then did it repeatedly on on further playthroughs. I'm not really sure, um, but yeah, that's just that's just one little endearing part of it. I, it's hard to sort of pin down exactly why I love it so much. I mean, I've played lots of other Tales games since, and I've liked those mm. some more than others. 
um, but none of them have quite got close to Symphonia. In I my think mind. you know, from my understanding of Tales games, possibly the reason you like Symphonia so much is because Symphonia is actually almost a real word, whereas <laughs> Zesteria is definitely Zesteria, not. Berseria, Exilia. Um, yeah, that's that's not not a bad reason. Not a bad reason. Yeah, it, it was probably on the borderline because I think that probably followed on from. Was Abyss the one before that or the one after that? Because there was like Abyss and Graces and things around there that actually are real words. Yeah. Um, But, but, yeah. As you say, I think that that with all of these games, there's always going to be things where it's hard to nail down exactly why they're good. Because Mm. it's often... Making a, a, a good game... I mean, obviously making a good game is hard, but then... The sort of things that turn make something from a good game into a really, really like top tier great game is just they're just little tweaks. Yeah, and it's hard to really talk about what they are. So. That's very true. Um, it is worth pointing out as well that it was re-released on PS3 and HD version, um, which I bought the collector's edition of because I'm I'm a sucker for such things. So I have my like little silly plastic people um from the game and also like the amazing soundtrack and various other things uh and it's also on steam as well so like even if you missed it when it was on the gamecube uh, there's probably no excuse okay to not not play it apart from you know if you have a life and you don't want to spend hundreds of hours on 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 that i always want to spend hundreds of hours on things but only on switch (laughs) maybe switch virtual console you never know hopefully uh okay yeah go for it What's, so what's next on I'll try not to move on to a JRPG from that. Uh, I will talk about uh, Lilith Wars. Oh man, Lilith Wars. AKA Star Fox 64. I wasn't expecting that. I, this is a weird game. Okay, so this is, it's a Star Fox game, which is a game in which you play as Star Fox, who is not only a guy who is a fox who plays a, uh, a spaceship but Star Fox is also the name of like the, the what's the word? The sort mercenary, of, the gang. mercenary team. Well, that, that makes them sound a bit sinister. It does really? They're sort of they're they're good guys, and they go around in their R wings, which are sort of plain space plane things, and shoot bad guys. Generally, you know, fighting the same bad guys because really all of the storylines in these games have just been the exact same storyline over and over again. There is a bad guy (laughs) called Andros and Andros is bad and they need to go and shoot their way with lots of lasers through several planets and then fight Andros and he's a bad guy. He's a monkey? Yes. Everyone is an animal for various reasons. Um, This is... This is one of those games where it sort of never really occurred to me that it was one of my favourite games, and then I suddenly sort of realised that it was. <laughs> I mean, I've played this... Ga- th- this is a game where I will set up my N64 and I'll just sit down and say, I'll just play this game for a bit. And then suddenly it'll be a couple of hours later and I've just beaten the game and I'll go, oh, okay. It's um, it's sort of, it's a, it's a sort of on-rails kind of shootery thing generally. You're sort of constantly scrolling forwards in a level, and you have to shoot at stuff. And that, that I mean, that, that sounds quite boring in of itself, but the way it's done is actually really, you know, it's always interesting. It's not, it's not just sort of... It's, it's not like a... Uh, it's not like it's an not arcade... Like a, yeah, it's not like a time, time crisis, crisis or anything yeah. like that. It's sort of it's quite dynamic, and you get all range bits where you're flying around and dogfighting. Dogfighting, because dog there are, there are hey. animals. Um, actually, I think the only dog is General Pepper, but yeah. that's not the point here. 
Um, so one thing this game had was it was one of the first games to sort of, or at least one of the first Nintendo games to feature, or really one of the only Nintendo games to be fully voice acted. Mm. And the voice acting is just absolutely amazingly cheesy. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not even sure I can, I can't even say it's bad voice acting because I know I, bad I, voice yeah. acting. I can't picture that game with any other voice acting. You can't say it's bad voice acting because it really works and it's just, it's amazing. I mean, everyone, you get the sort of, can't let you do that, Star Fox. <laughs> and I, I could probably recite most of the script of the game, but I'm not going to do that, even I though think I want if to. If you've ever been on the internet, you've probably read the entire script of the game. You know, let's do a barrel roll and yeah. stuff, but that, 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 that's, that's not even the most fun things. And there's, there's just... It's just, again, it's, it, it's, a, it's a game, it's got good, it's only 64 games, so it looks a bit dated these days, but it still controls really well, it's got really good music, the levels are really good, you get some different paths, there's sort of secret paths, and you can do secret things, you can, there's sort of a hard, hard series of levels, and a medium, and an easy series of levels, and depending on the decisions, and how many enemies you shoot down, and other stuff, you get into different, uh, different, areas and then you get to the final boss and you do crazy stuff and there's two different versions of the final boss and there's it's just it, it's not really it's not a deep game hmm. it's not a it's not really a sort of game for the ages but somehow it is my fate one of my favorite games and it's just i'm trying to think about what what makes it so good because again it's just is a game you, that you a lot of it is sort of going for high scores, which again kind of sounds shallow, but it's just, it's really, it's a game that I can just sink hours into. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that it grabs you and like doesn't let go, mm. basically. Like, once you start, like there's always something going on mm. and like it pulls you seamlessly I mean, the, 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 into the, the, the pace, next thing. The pacing of all the levels is just yeah. excellent. Um, even the levels I don't really like are still really good. And the boss battles are really good fun. Um... Like you'll always come up to this boss battle and there'll be some kind of monkey. All, all the bad guys are monkeys for some reason. And they'll just be like, oh. Just like in the real world. And they'll just make some snarky comment about how you're rubbish and they'll be like giving you a commentary and saying, ah, cocky little freaks. <laughs> and um, it's just, it's really good fun. And uh, and then when the bosses blow up, they just, there was a 3DS uh, sort of remake, remaster yes, of the yes. game, which I don't, I feel like the controls in that aren't quite as tight and the voice acting has sort of been redone so it's not quite as amusing and it's uh it's, it it looks a lot better but it doesn't seem to quite play as well when I've played it. And the worst thing they changed is that in the when you shoot things down the 3DS version, particularly bosses, they just kind of explode and there's just sort of a not great looking particle explosion. When you shoot bosses down in the N64 version, there's this giant sort of brown sort of expanding <laughs> sphere thing it goes and it's just it's, it's very the most satisfying. satisfying thing and it's it's really I mean I, if you went out and played this game I don't know whether you'd enjoy it as much as I did but I it's a game that I played when I was younger and as I grew up I just played it on and off and I, I can always go back to it and it's always fun and it's always just it's such a good really solid just well polished mm. game and it's you're saying, well, you know, what 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 are the flaws of it, honestly? I think about, you know, what's actually really bad about the game. And there probably is some stuff, but none of it's really serious. It's just a really well done game. Mm. So, yeah, if you like. And that I, I was really, I'd never played Star Fox Zero. 
Is that the Switch one? Yeah. Uh, Not Switch, the Wii, Wii U. U one. I was really excited for it, uh, and then it wasn't very good, apparently, so that was a really big disappointment for me. I'm still waiting for something to be a sort of proper sequel that lives up to Lilith Wars. But So for me, personally, I really like Star Fox Assault. Yeah, on, lots of people on do. the GameCube. Um, similarly, like that was one where I just picked it up one afternoon, and literally just a few hours later, it was done. I was like, "Wow, that was that was an experience." Um, yeah, it's not not very long, um, not very original. Like, I mean, it's basically straight Lilac Wars, and then with the addition of a couple of sort of on the ground bits. Mm. Um, but yeah, just just really fun, fun yeah. stuff. Not <clears> very. I don't think that one was very critically acclaimed. I think it's been sort of, it's been a strong fan favorite over yeah. time, particularly yeah. for GameCube people. <laughs> as 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 we've established, I'm like the definition of a GameCube. I, I I never owned a GameCube, so a lot of these games I missed out on. Yeah, so. we we had three in the house, so. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, but sadly, only one copy of Star Fox Assault. To be honest, I never had an N64 either. Uh, I played the N- my child mind, which I used to go to, had an N64, and. Uh, which I just played the crap out of. And she added SNES as well, which I played as well. But at home, we always had a, play- we had a PlayStation and a PlayStation 2. So that mm. was that was my sort of founding. But I moved to the Nintendo side kind of later on. Yeah, that's, that's the way to do it. So yeah, uh, what's your second game? Oh, my second game. That's, that's yeah, how the list is ordered. Um, okay, so I mentioned earlier that I'm a fan of Bioware RPG specifically. Um, do you know what this is going to be? I may have accidentally seen your list earlier. Oh, uh, while you were looking at my list. Well, I, I I was trying to look at the anime and then I went down and kind of got to the games There's and thought, games, oh no, it? spoilers. Yeah, okay, so this is Knights of the Old Republic. KOTOR. KOTOR, for short. Um, as opposed to the Old Republic. As opposed to is, TOR, yes. Which is a MMORPG, this is just the regular RPG. Yes, so this is, <clears throat> yeah, um... Written by Bioware, produced by Obsidian, I believe. I thought Obsidian. Or did they do two? Obsidian did two. Obsidian are well known for doing sequels to other people's great yeah. RPGs. Um, so this is obviously yeah. So this is a Star Wars game, but set in the Old Republic, which was like thousands or maybe about a thousand years before the events of like Episode One, basically. Mm. Um, so super prequel, um, and yeah, it's really really good <laughs> so the thing about the star wars universe is that it's like this incredibly rich like universe with lots of lore and stuff things to do with it but obviously like this the films only tell like one strands of story through that um and i think the old republic knights of the old republic is basically the perfect example of like taking that and using it to make something else that's perfectly distinct but like uses that to full effect um so it's got it's it's perfect use of the universe and like the story is i think you have amnesia at the start don't you like in the classic classic rpg fashion yeah um and basically yeah you wake you wake up on this ship and like you get attacked by some sith and you don't really know what's going on. You you slowly like go through the story, and in are classic you, RPG fashion, you like go around, you do quests for people. And help are you going to out. mention the big twist here? I'm not going to tell people what the big twist is. Okay, there, there is a big we've twist. We've apparently told them there's a big twist, so you know there's that. Um, 
And yeah, so and you like slowly like learn to use the force. You become a Jedi, basically. Mm. Um, though obviously you can choose whether you, you want to be good or evil, and thus you can get like light side powers or dark side powers. Um, and it's it's got all the good bits of like Bioware conversation and story mm. and party and that sort of stuff. Um, it's it's basically very much like the groundworks from where something like Mass Effect can come yeah. from, basically. Um, I mean, I I, I did I, I played a bit of Kotor. I'll go into that later on, but um, I, it definitely sort of felt like I think I played it after having played Mass Effect, right? And it definitely I could see a lot of where they'd sort of taken it and refined it into Mass Effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyone who's familiar with the sort of Bioware structure will we recognize it in an instant. Basically, um, you have your party, you have your like little ship group hub where you mm. can talk to everyone. Um, like everyone has their like inventory screen, all this sort of stuff. Um, and like, I just love Star Wars, which is like part of the reason why I love it so much. Like otherwise, it, I guess it would just be like another Mass Effect type mm. thing. And obviously, I love Mass Effect as well. But yeah, just just doubly good. I'm guessing there aren't any Mass Effects on your list. Then. Well, let's find out, Ben. Okay. <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah, I, mean, I I have played some of Kotor. Night Seal Republic. I don't know what you like to refer to it as. Uh, I think I usually call it Kotor. It's easier. Well, anyway, um, I started out playing it, and I sort of I got quite into it. I was quite enjoying it. I think I got to the point where you choose what kind of Jedi, mm. sort of. Uh, I can't think of the right word. Class. Basically. Yes. What Jedi class you want like to you be? Like you can be a guardian who beats people up with a lightsaber. Yes. You can be like a consular. Who like zaps people with the force, or you could be like a mix. I think sentinel. I think whatever it was, I decided to be the class that's good at talking to people. Um, <laughs> that's the way to always go in these games. Like all points into persuasion. I, I decided to be the class that talks to people, and I decided that I'm going to be light side, and everything is going to be great. And then I got to a bit, and it said, "Right now, go kill th- th- this like really scary guy is coming to kill you. You have to fight him." I was like, "Um, I." I don't have any points into anything that would let me do any of this. And I think I just kept dying and I gave up. Mm. Which is probably a bit sad. That's but... a bit awkward, yeah. I mean, I get the feeling there are a few problems like that in the game where you sort of need to know the way to play it, mm. to do it. Like, I, I played it after my brother played it. So I basically knew that the way to play that game is you get, like, two swords and you put all your points into Master Flurry. And then you can just kill anything. Um, and you don't need to worry about other combat skills. You just go full on persuasion and all this stuff for, for the funsies. Um, but yeah, in that sense, I guess it is pretty dated. Yeah. And like, if, if I think if you go and you try and play it now, there's quite a lot of bugs, mm. some of which have been patched, some of which less so. I'm, trying to remember that was, I'm, I'm remembering some vague bit with racing something along a... Yes. I remember that, that not enjoying that very much. The first one or the second one, I can't remember. Yeah, it's it's one of these, you know, like there's a mini game in the game, yes. but at some point in the story there's a bit where you have to like win a race or whatever. Mm. And it's basically like pod racing sort of thing, yeah. I think. Um and yeah, no, that wasn't very good. I'll tell you what's great, it's Star Wars episode one pod racing. That's a very different game. I love that game, that's great. Anyway, back to... Uh, back nice. to KOTOR. Yeah, so KOTOR 2. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure what the popular opinion is anymore. It seems to have swayed a bit. 
Like, th- it always used to be people liked KOTOR 2 more, I thought. I thought that... I, I can't remember now. I think people said that KOTOR 2 was maybe more refined in some ways, but wasn't so good overall. Or... So my my personal opinion, uh, and that's why we're here podcasting, um, is that KOTOR 2, yeah, mechanically, in terms of, yeah, the way the game works and the way the combat works, all this sort of stuff, is, yeah, refined and builds on the first game. But the story is nowhere near as engaging. Mm. nowhere near as epic and twisty and exciting and yeah yeah i mean again i think kotor was is it's a game that i i did play for a bit and then kept meaning to go back to and never quite did because i i like i like mass effect all of the mass effects and uh this definitely seemed like it was you know more of that but it's it's like um if you play a sort of game if you play a sort of direct sequel do you play the Crash Bandicoot games? No. Not really, no. Ratchet and Clank, no. No. I'm trying to think of something. But we we have a game where you you have sort of some direct sequels, so then you play the sort of the second and the third game and then you go back and try and play the first game in the series and it's basically unplayable because you know all the all the stuff that they've refined later so on. So Mass Effect. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a Though yeah. I know Mass Effect One is like your favourite, so Well, I don't know if it's my favourite, but I do I do enjoy Mass Effect One. I think it's sort of it's a good I don't know. I mean all all, all the Mass Effects have problems in some yes. regard. So but yeah, go, going back and trying to actually do the actual playing of Mass Effect One after having played two and three is kind of just awful. But you get used to it I relatively think, quickly. I think the classic sort of example is Deus Ex, where it's heralded as, like, the greatest game ever, um, and, like, has all these amazing, like, mechanics and so much freedom, and, like, it's it's, it's good for this, 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 and this reason. But anyone now who goes back and tries to play it is just going to smash into a brick wall. Okay. Well... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've played Deus Ex, and, yeah, it's, um, it's quite dated. Yes, hasn't aged very well at all. Um, Kotor, on the other hand, I think if you can get it working, like on your PC, I think has aged pretty well. Okay. And if you haven't played it and you have the time to play it, I'd say go and do it because it's great. Okay. Shall I go into my next one? I think you should, Ben. So I, I mean that that was an RPG, but it wasn't a JRPG. So I'm going to try and squeeze a JRPG. Go in for here. it. It's been a while. Um, so th- this is probably the most obscure game on my list. Uh, Breath of Fire 3. Ah. Which I, you, you sound like I've probably mentioned this before. Yes, I was expecting this. Yes. So Breath of Fire 3 is the third game of the Breath of Fire series, which no. started out on the, on the, uh, on the snares. And th- this was a PlayStation game. It is, uh, see, it, it's an odd game because it really was quite sort of critically sort of Pan, not panned, but people were sort of quite lukewarm about it on release. And I do actually know that there are a lot of people out there. It's not just me. There are a lot of people out there who say this is actually a really good game. Uh, it was one of the sort of first games that I, re- I think it was this game and Crash Bandicoot were sort of the games that I really played when I had a play first had a PlayStation. And I didn't really understand RPGs. I didn't really understand turn-based combat. It has turn-based combat in it. Mm. Um, I was like, oh, I'll just mash the, this button and then you attack things, and oh, it's, it's all colourful. But it's it's a sort of it's an R, a JRPG. It's got three D environments, uh, 
and it's got sprite-based characters. It's very sort of stylized. Oh, there's the so character designs are great, and it has a funky jazz soundtrack. Like all the best <clears throat> games. Like all the best games. Okay, but if you say, if you went, if you were pitching a game now and you said, yeah, this is like an old school JRPG. It's got really detailed sprites with cool designs, the jazz soundtrack. People would go absolutely apeshit about it and say, wow, this is amazing. This is sounds like such a cool game. But at the time, basically, this was early 3D era. And people were saying, oh, well, sprites are so old, they look like crap. Everything should be 3D. And if you go back and you compare the sort of character, the, the sprites in this, which still look amazing, and then compare it to, I don't know, the characters in Final Fantasy VII, there's <laughs> no comparison. This just this, this game still actually looks really good, even though it's a PlayStation game. Um, and the way the backgrounds work is sort of, they're sort of quite simple polygons with sort of detailed sort of textures on. So it all just, it, it, it works really well. Um, anyway, so that's the sort of technology behind <laughs> it, I guess. Good to know. But uh, it's, you, you, you're a boy called Ryu, which is annoying because it's, it's a Capcom game featuring uh. a guy called Ryu, which means that he's never going to appear in any other of the sort of Capcom crossover games because there's already a Ryu in all those games. But he is um, one of the brood who have the power to turn into dragons. But you're not really sure about this. You just kind of get some people are mining for chrism, which is sort of old dragon bones, which is used as a source of energy. And then you explode and you go around murdering loads of people because you're a dragon. And you've just been born and you don't know what's going on. And you get found in a forest. And this, it's... It's like a lot of the things that I said earlier. It's got a very linear storyline. All of the characters are basically kind of set. They don't have classes or anything. You say, this is this guy. He's the big, scary, punchy guy. There's this guy. There's this girl. She is the magic girl. And again, I like that. I quite... If I have... If I can change the classes on characters, I find it quite hard to give... To sort of... It, it 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 sort of upsets too much. The, their identity to yeah. me. If they're saying, if you're saying, right, this is this person, they do this, then they can sort of have attacks and things that really sort of suit them. You can tweak things in some ways. You have skill. You can sort of learn enemy abilities, and there's a sort of master system where you can apprentice someone to a master who's an NPC, and you go away and earn some levels, and then they'll teach you a spell, and it'll change the way they level up slightly. It'll tweak their stats. Lots of neat stuff like that. Um, the characters are just really great. The storyline, as I said, is very linear, but there's lots of kind of interesting moral ambiguity stuff. So when you start out, you're kind of... You're with these two delinquents, basically, and you're going around, effectively going around mugging people. You're like, should I really be doing this? But at the same time, if we don't do this, we're going to starve. And then you kind of you help the townspeople and then by defeating a monster, and then they all love you. And then you say, well, maybe what we should do is everyone hates the mayor for taxing everyone, so let's go and beat up the mayor and take his tax money and give it back to everyone. And everyone's like, why did you beat up the mayor? What did he do? And there's lots of sort of moral ambiguity stuff that's actually quite interesting. The writing is pretty... I'm not sure it's the best translation, but it's pretty good. There's a fishing minigame, which is oh, fantastic, nice. um, which I've spent so many hours on. Uh, there's a thing it's reminding me of Final Fantasy Fifteen. There's a thing where you um, you have a fairy village, sort of partway through the game, where basically you have these fairies, and they 
they've been sort of, I don't know, nearly died back and then you sort of have to manage their town and get them to build a village and then that you can open shops and casinos and stuff. And it's like you were saying with the um <clears throat> the thing in Tales of Symphonia. Yes. Where you're sort of building up this town over time. And it's maybe not quite a sort of metropolis, but you get the little fairy things. And the bosses are great and they're sort of huge and they have these huge beautiful sprites and it's the combat is just sort of everything about it is quite snappy. Um Lots of RPGs have quite sort of menus that are just slightly kludgy and things don't work. And mm. it, it, and again, it, it's little things. It's just, you know, it'll just, you'll just be able to go into a menu and go zoop, 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 and just say, okay, I healed everyone in my party. And that's, it just, it just works. And everything just, again, it's a game that doesn't really do anything wrong. And it just, it's just, and I really like the soundtrack. Lots of people don't like the soundtrack or didn't like the soundtrack at the time. And say, oh, well, it sounds more like elevator music than RPG music. Um, I think in Breath of Fire 4, it did kind of go back to more kind of orchestral style music. Breath of Fire 4 wasn't nearly as good. So, uh, and then Breath of Fire 5 was strange. And then Breath of Fire 6 is some kind of weird game. It's like a a mobile game, which has nothing to do with anything. Because it turns out that Capcom don't care about anything anymore. Sounds about right. But it's a really good game, and I don't really know if it'll actually stand up well to anyone playing it, but it was sort of it was a game of my childhood. And uh, I sound like I'm sort of tearing up again. It's just my throat is, yeah, it keeps drying you up. You should probably, going, probably down some of that water. I should, but it's uh, not helping. Yeah, and I can maybe start talking about my next one. I, guess. I assume you don't really have any comment on that. I don't. Never I've never it. played it. Uh, I'm not sure I've even seen it or heard anyone else other than you talking about it. Again, it's it's relatively obscure, but the people... You can go out there and find other people who say this is actually genuinely a really good game. So it's not just me that thinks that. I believe you. Okay. I believe you. Let's move on to probably a game that people do think is good. <laughs> well, fancy that. Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> oh, man. Just as I was trying to like not have loads of JRPGs. Not JRPGs. No, well... I, I don't think there's any more on my list, at least okay. traditionally. Um, I was never expecting Final Fantasy VIII on your list, though. I think I think you're being a bit facetious there, aren't you, Ben? Well, maybe. Um, so, obviously, the, the world's darling of the Final Fantasy series is Final Fantasy VII, but in my opinion, which in this, in this matter is obviously equal to fact, Final Fantasy VIII is the vastly superior game. Um... So I sort of just stumbled upon this when I was, like, nine years old. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I think I literally just came across it because I had some pocket money to spend. And I think I, like, just looked at games under, like, £10 on Amazon or something. And this is, like, early Amazon we're talking mm. here. Um, and so I just ended up with Final Fantasy Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, for, the, for the PC, yes, I have to point <clears throat> out. Um, and... Yeah, it's basically, for the vast majority of my life, and po- possibly still is, I'm still not sure, it's hard to make decisions, but it's like just the best game ever for me. Um, it's just it's just so good. It's just so good. Like, the world, and then the characters, and the music, and the combat. The music the is so good. The music is phenomenal. Um, is it? Did did Nobumatsu was it his last soundtrack or did he do nine? As he well? did nine, I think. Okay. I think he did nine. Um, 
The, music, the soundtrack is... I, just, I, I actually, I had the soundtrack in my car. I listened to it quite a lot. It's, it's so good. It's so good. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, it occurs to me, you, you talked a bit about the story of Breath of Fire. I'm not sure. I haven't done that with any others. I don't know whether it's worth doing. Maybe well, it's really unhelpful for people for me to talk about Tales of Symphonia and not mention what it's actually about, or KOTOR and well, what it's actually with, about. with these... You mentioned a bit of Kotor's story, but I yeah, think you know, the, the story is kind of, it's hard to talk about in any kind of sensible way or any sort of short form way. Yes. Especially, yeah, all these games that I'm talking about that are really, really long and have all these different twists well, and turns. Well, basically, I mean, F- F- Final Fantasy VIII is like you are, I guess you're, you're part you of start a mercenary out as a, school. You start as a student, basically, at this, yeah, school for mercenaries um, who, yeah, like lend themselves out to governments to like deal with conflicts or whatever. Um and, like, the very first thing that you do in the game is you basically have your sort of final exam, mm. basically, in this in this mercenary school. Um, and, yeah, it just escalates and escalates from there until you're basically involved in the fate of the entire universe, effectively. Um, and there's all sorts of nonsense along the way. In classic Final Fantasy style, like, the second half of the game just goes to all sorts of silly places. Um that that's generally the place where most Final Fantasy games lose me. I have to say, <laughs> I think that's about the first I've got in Final Fantasy VIII. It's sort of near the end, of, sort of. I think I, I may have got to like the part. There, there's four in the PlayStation version. There were four discs. There's four in the PC <clears throat> version as well. Do you actually have to swap between them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I got to about the maybe the beginning of the fourth disc or partway through the third disc and just kind of lost completely the thread of what was going on. Mm. I, the first half is definitely a lot stronger than the second half, and okay. I've played it millions of times compared to how many times I've actually finished the game, which is zero times. Mm. Um, I've got to, like, the final boss castle. Wait, you've never finished I've the game? I've never finished the game. Oh, really? I was, I was surprised you didn't react to that. Um, I, I've got to the final boss castle a number of times, but never actually killed the final boss. I did not um, know that. Just because I guess because I just didn't want it to end, and because there's just always lots of extra stuff to go well, out and do in the world. See, I've played Final Fantasy four, six, seven, eight, fourteen. Um, <clears throat> Final Fantasy four. Man, that was a big skip there. So carry on. Well, that's because they're all rubbish, apart oh. from nine, which I mean, I, I mean to play nine, but you know, ten, eleven. Well, I'm sure we can have like a whole Final Fantasy 12. segment on another anyway, podcast. Anyway, point is, before I got to the final, I actually got to the final boss and I couldn't beat it. Huh. Uh, six, I get to sort of the section where you're, there's a big open world section at the end and I was like, I mm. don't know what I'm doing here. It's quite intimidating that bit. <clears throat> yeah. Well, this is again what I mean with having a linear game is that if you if your game is more linear, then you can say, okay, I'm pretty sure that you're going to be an appropriate level by the time you get to this point. Whereas if you say, you can go anywhere, you'll just wander around and find the wrong place and then die. Mm. And say, am I supposed to go here? No. And it turns out you were supposed to go that way. It's just, it's really hard. Well, I think Final Fantasy VIII actually does it really well. And mm. there is this big open sprawling world and you do get the airship or whatever, you can go around. But I think it's just really well gated mm. um, throughout to make sure you don't, go to the wrong place as it were um but then obviously at the end game opens out and there's all sorts of this crazy nonsense jrpg extra content that you can do like meeting aliens and all sorts of weird stuff if you go to the right places at the right times um but yeah there's 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 so many things that i love about it uh one of them probably one of the main ones is the fact that it has the best mini game in any game 
ever. Are you talking about? I'm talking triple about triad. Triple Triad, the the card game which you may or may not have heard of. Um, which who hasn't just, heard of it? Who hasn't heard of Triple Triad? As I say, it's, it's, it's the best mini game. Where yeah, it's a card game. It's a very it's a card game with very simple rules. At least the basic version is. Um, and you get cards that basically are like the monsters in the game, and then the better cards are like your sort of summons, and then like late game you get cards that are like the characters in your party or like the bosses oh, and all this stuff, and they're always amazing. You, you always have to go to some roundabout route to get them, um, and it's this, this basically it's got this amazing system where like whenever you see an NPC in the environment, you press you, you press your normal action button to just talk to them, but then there's a separate button on your control pad or your keyboard. Um, that is used for nothing else in the game except to challenge people to card games. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you just go around, you just play everyone in the world at cards, and, like, you win better cards. Except and, like... for the people who say, I don't play card games. Yeah, those are the worst people, though. Um, <clears throat> and, yeah, it's just, it's just really good. Can I... Because, obviously, I, I mean, I, th- I think Final Fantasy VIII is probably a controversial choice for some people. Yes. Can I ask you about some of the criticisms of Final Fantasy VIII and see what you think there? Hit me. So people say that the main character is basically a bitch. Yeah, but like the people who say that are people who really like Final Fantasy VII and like clearly haven't self-reflected. <laughs> so, okay, like ignoring comparisons to Cloud aside, um, so Squall, who's the main character in Final Fantasy VIII, um, is probably a, a reflection of the time in which this game was cre- created in the sense that he's <clears throat> quite a typical like emo-y teenager mm. i guess um wears a lot of black he's got a scar nice fringe you know all this sort of stuff he does uh, have fantastic hair talks about how he hates himself and he's not good enough and all this sort of thing um uh, i mean all of that went straight over my head when i was playing it when i was nine years old obviously yeah um like, I probably wasn't reading too much into the dialogue back then. Uh, but now, I don't know. I think it, it's sort of, it's not that hard to look past, really. It's not that hard to look past, but at the same time, I don't think it's as bad as those people make no. out. Like, and I mean, part of me always, like, related with Squall a bit. <laughs> oh, dear. Like, not, not, not all the stupid emo stuff, but, like, just in terms of his person, basically... A lot of his troubles boil down to like the fact that he's like quite introverted. He doesn't know what to yeah. do, especially when he gets thrust into like positions of authority um, and it's sort of imposter syndrome type stuff. It's like that's all very relatable, even if you're not like yeah. that sort of guy, whatever. Um, and yeah, I don't think it's that bad at all. It's basically my response to that criticism. So the the other th- uh, criticism I think people have is the the mag- the magic and the junction system. Yes, yeah, I was going to talk about that. Um, so different to other Final Fantasies and other JRPGs, which all have their own systems for like getting new abilities and things. So you've got like the Materia, Mm. isn't it, in 7 and like Espers in 6 and this sort of stuff. In Final Fantasy VIII, there's this thing called the draw system, um, which is where basically you get magic spells by drawing them from your enemies. So that's like an action in battle, instead of like attacking something, you can draw magic out of your enemies. And I, um, the magic is kind of like a, it's sort of like a, uh, a consumable item, pretty much. Yes. As so, opposed to using up MP or. Yeah, so you carry like up to 100 fires, basically. Yeah. Um, and then the other side of that is, as well as being able to like just cast this magic back at enemies to do damage, 
you your stats are all impacted by how you choose to junction these spells. So every character gets like junction slots, whether that's like your HP or your your magic skills or like your defense, all this sort of stuff. Um, very typical like RPG mm. stats. You can assign like spells to those to like power them up, basically. Um, and if you like probably the best example of like the effects of that in terms of using relevance spells is like you can get an elemental attack junction or elemental defense junction sort of thing. And if you put like a hundred blizzaras into that, then you'll do like ice damage when you attack. Mm. Or like if you end up with like a hundred blizzagas in your elemental defense, if anyone attacks you with ice, you'll like absorb that damage as mm. health rather than taking it and that sort of thing. Which is really nifty and it gives you lots of chances to play around with your characters. Like, there's a status attack junction, and if you put sleep on it, and then you, like, attack something, then you have a chance to send them mm. to sleep. That's pretty nifty. And particularly funny when you put it on the guy with the gun. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, and I really, really like that system. A lot well, of people hate it. Well, I think the criticism people have is that, basically, you have to... The, the, the best way to junction things is to always have 100 of each spell. So you have to sit there and literally draw 100 of each spell... From everything. Well, yeah. From everything, which takes a really long time. Yes, it's basically busy work. Um, but as someone, as we mentioned earlier, who is very much like a completionist and loves seeing those numbers go up in my stats and uh, at that time in my life had a lot of time to waste, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I really liked it. Talking of, I mean, this is just a more general discussion. Talking of busy work. I think you, you we both quite like turn-based combat, am I right? Yes, yeah, and this was the active time. Yeah, system. I mean, th this is active time, which is sort of turn-based-ish. Yeah. Lots of people say oh, turn-based isn't fun, turn-based is rubbish. You, people don't make get games with turn-based combat anymore because they think it's not engaging. I've never understood that. No. I always love turn-based combat. I always think it's... I, because so many RPGs now, like, you, you get to control one person. You have to swap between who you're controlling mm. and everyone else is on autopilot. And I'm like, I wouldn't tell everyone what to do. Yeah. This is, you know, what, 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 why are you not getting this? I want this person to heal now and I want this person to do this. And I yeah, want, it, it I makes... Want, I want to pull the little strings on my puppets. Yeah, it makes your party feel, like, cohesive and there for a reason rather than just, like, some guys following you around. It makes it more of a whole, like, little cogs working together mm. sort of thing. Um... And... I mean, going going back to Mass Effect, like how how often did your? I mean, I, I guess you could actually could tell your party members what to do. You but, could point to a spot and see what they did. Quite often, you know, they would just would run in and die, and you just have to do the whole thing yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I don't understand criticism of uh, turn-based combat at all. Um, I think it's a perfectly valid combat system to have in a game. Uh, a particularly one in which you do have that sort of granular level mm. over your progression and your stats yeah. and things. Because in a more active environment, then often like that just gets thrown out by random yeah. chance or whatever. Um, so, yeah, no, screw those people. Okay. Basically. Did you have anything else to say about Final Fantasy I could talk about Final Fantasy VIII for a very long okay, time, well, but I won't. Let's move on then. <laughs> but um, would you say, because you talk about it a lot, would you say it's your favourite game or... If we like, get as I, get as I said, it's very it's very tricky. I think I've got to the point now where it's either Final Fantasy VIII or Tales of Symphonia. It's my favourite game of all time. Um, okay. And Final Fantasy VIII has definitely spent more time as my favourite game of all time. Okay. Um, what, for whatever that's worth. Right, well, I will... Uh, I'll 
try and speed things up a bit here because we're getting a bit tight on time. But I've got two more and you've got two more. That would make no, sense. you've got three more. I've got two more. You've got two more and then we've got and some runners up. Okay, so um, I'm going to go on to Half-Life 2. Huh? Which is... How mainstream. Yeah, I know, right? It's, it's interesting because I wasn't sure about Half-Life 2. And then I went and I replayed it. And I, as I was playing it, I thought, this is a great game. Because I, I, I replayed it just, you know, just for, this, for the sake of this podcast. Oh, really? That's just how dedicated wow. I am. Um, <clears throat> and then having played it, I now keep on thinking about it and going, was it really that good? But at the time, I was like, yeah, it is really that good. So it's just, it's a very kind of... Basically, Half-Life 2 is a first-person shooter made by Valve. You know, Valve, who don't really make games anymore, except occasionally. They just don't really, yeah. They make too much money off other things. Um, and obviously, everyone is the, the whole thing with waiting for Half-Life 3. And uh, Half-Life 2 was the sequel to the original Half-Life, which was a great game for the time, but is probably a bit dated now. Half-Life 2 is a shooter that I would say, basically, it came out in 2005. It didn't really feel start to feel dated and probably until about 2012, 2011 for me. Yeah. It was a game that I would say was very much ahead of its time in terms of the sort of style and the way that it did things. I mean, the, the... But it's still with a lot of grounding and kind of old older first-person shooters, like the fact that you can carry a huge arsenal of weapons huh. and the fact that, you know, you can do all this crazy stuff and you can sprint at a million miles an hour and, you know, climbing ladders is a huge pain, yeah. all that kind of thing. I mean, the bit that's obviously always heralded is definitely ahead of its time is the whole physics engine. Yeah, but I mean, the, there's things like uh, it's got pretty... I mean, the, the, the voice acting is not... At, by a sort of modern AAA game standards is not really amazing but it's got good voice acting and actually the sort of they uh, they had a lot of technology for facial expressions mm. and for facial animations in particular which I still think I mean maybe have been matched in some games but not most of the time that that's going to be in in cutscenes whereas you know this would just have actual there, there aren't any cutscenes in the game it's all sort of a, a big thing of Half-Life as being sort of all in-game and always from the first-person perspective. So um, you sort of, you're always seeing things from... The, you, you play as a scientist called Gordon Freeman who wakes up and it seems to be sort of the end of the world and the world's, the Earth has been taken over by aliens and it's not really clear what's going on. And that's kind of a lot of it is you sort of get thrust into it and you have to kind of learn what's going on by going through the game. And lots of things are still very ambiguous. But yeah, the, the characters are great and the sort of the facial animations and lip syncing particularly is really good. And then you go and you play, I don't know, Mass Effect and people are just going blah, 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 blah and the mouths don't match up with anything at all. <laughs> I keep on talking about Mass Effect a lot and uh, I'm just going to keep coming back to that. Yeah. But I don't know, it's just on my mind, I think. I was always very impressed by the facial animations in yeah. Half-Life 2. Um, and you know, it's, it's not like a just a sort of shooter it's sort of half-life one was was released at a game at a time where sort of people were saying it was well not quite quake 2 but uh quake 3 maybe i can't really remember how the exact things worked out but basically in shooters you would just circle strafe around people and shoot them until they died yeah and half-life one added a lot of strategy and you know actual hiding behind cover and th an ai that would actually try and kill you 
And Half-Life 2 sort of builds on that, but it's more it's more of sort of a almost a story driven game. You're sort of going around and you're going through all these different environments and seeing sort of the way the world has changed. The music is not very good, I'm gonna say. Mm. It's not really very memorable. There's just occasionally you're just going through a bit and some music will happen, but compared to all the other games on my list, the music is pretty forgettable. But it's just it plays really well. And it's a really sort of interesting game to play through. And as I said, it was really ahead of its time when it came out. And I think it's just... I can't even think of what else to say about it. It's sort of... it's Again, it's a game where when I think back on it, it doesn't seem that interesting. But as you're playing through it, it's actually quite engaging. And again, you know, it's like most of the games on my list, it's quite linear. Mm. Uh, there's always sort of one thing to go to. But... There's always sort of a few ways to approach each situation. And so near the end of the game, there's a particular bit where you go into a big tower, and I still think, you know, that just the sort of... All the designs of the environments are absolutely fantastic. The art direction is really top-notch, and uh, it's a really good game. Yeah, solid. And obviously the foundation for, like, the Source engine that's had so many amazing games. I mean, Titanfall... And Titanfall 2 are both on the Source Engine. Yeah, so random. Bizarrely. Even though they don't actually feel like the Source Engine. But yeah, there's, um, yeah, you know, the Portal, uh, Team, Team Fortress, Fortress 2, 2, all that. Yeah, Counter Strike. Um, yeah, and Left 4 Dead. Yeah. All these things. So really, you know, it's a trailblazer in a lot of ways. And it's really solid. For sure. Cool. Um, I don't really have much to add, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. I like I liked Half Life too. I probably liked all those other spin-offs more, but like that, yeah, it's it's just great. I mean, I, I've played. Uh, I've never actually pl- finished episode two. There, there was sort of some episodic mm. releases afterwards. Played through episode one, which was kind of okay, and then I played through episode. But they never all felt quite as good as the original game, for me. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. Uh, my number four is Beyond Good and Evil. Oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, this is a game that came out, I don't know when. Uh, It was on the GameCube, and it was on the PS2, and it also came to PC. I want to say 2002, but I'm really not sure. It's definitely 2000 and something. (laughs) I would say that. Um, And, yeah. So, this... how How do I describe Beyond Good and Evil? So, basically, you play as... A, like a photojournalist, basically. Yeah. Um, but she also is basically like a sort of big sister character at like this orphanage hmm. um, run by this funky pig guy called Paige. He's pretty cool. Um, and... Like, I t- it's been a long time since I've played the game. Let's put it mm. that way. Like, it's definitely still one of my top games of all time. I've played it multiple times and completed it multiple times. Um, but uh, it's it's been a while. Were you playing um, it on the GameCube? I played it on the GameCube a couple of times. Yeah. I played it on PS2, and I played it a bit on PC. Um, and the sort of the core game, the, the the sort of fantasy is you go around like. So it's another one where there's lots of animal type people, yeah, and they're very alieny type species. And just this really interesting world to explore. And you get to do that literally like through the lens of 
like a photojournalist. And so you, you do go around, you take pictures of new species and plant life, and you like get rewards for doing that. Are you slightly um, ashamed of that through the lens thing you did just then? Slightly. <laughs> I was hoping to you sort of brush be. it under the mat. Um, but uh, yeah, which, which is really fun. And it's, it's a good way to sort of hammer home the point of like all these interesting things that you're seeing. Like these days in a game, especially like a triple A game, if you're like just going down a corridor between firefights or whatever, even if the art direction is incredible, you see all the stuff around it, it's just, just like padding or whatever. Mm. But this you're like, wow, look at these like interesting, like glowy life forms coming out of the roof or whatever, this sort of stuff. Um, and like all these sort of sprawling towns, like it's, it's just an experience distinct from anything that like you have in other games or very far removed from real life, obviously. Um, I... Yeah, I just, just really liked it. I mean, like, the, the there's combat bits. The combat isn't that great, but, mm. like, it's passable. Um, there's really interesting stealth sections. Um, a lot of it's quite, sort of, there's intrigue and, like, machinations. Um, uh, it's I guess you describe it as, like, an adventure game, mm. I guess. So, like, yeah, it's third person. You run around the world. You do various various bits and pieces go through the story the characters are all really endearing that's one mm. of the main parts of it as well um and yeah it's, it's it's also got a good completionist element for people like me where like you, there's a bit of a collectathon type bit of it as well where you get like mm. these pearl type things which you can get by i mean you get along the way of the story but you also do like mini games and side questy things i did actually i started playing it not that long. I, I played a bit of it before. I think there was an HD re-release on the Xbox. Yes, or yes, I think something. that was. So I played, a, I played the demo of it and thought, well, that's pretty good. Um, I started trying to play it recently, emulated, on mm. through a GameCube emulator, I think, because GameCube seemed to be the easiest one to do. Mm. I I mean, I, I sort of... I, basically, I just found the controls a bit dated, and everything seemed slightly funky. I wasn't sure if that was just because of the emulation mm, or just because, yeah, of, because it's older. But uh, it's a game that I definitely want to play. Yes, I'd say it's definitely worth playing as well if you can. I know the PC like, version is yeah. quite janky. No, that, well, that, the reason I'm playing an emulated version rather than PC version is because I have heard a lot of awful things about the yeah. PC version, which bizarrely there aren't any patches or fixes for. So I'm, uh, I'm doing my best on that. But uh, I'm going to gonna get through and play it one day and yeah. uh i mean i feel like i haven't really done it justice because it's just been so long and it's not fresh in my mind mm. but what is fresh in my mind is the release of beyond the, the reveal of beyond good and evil 2 at e3 this year um so beyond good and evil 2 because beyond good and evil 1 was so beloved by loads of people um they were going to do a sequel to it for a long time and it was just in development and canned and scrapped and on hold for so long like over a decade. It's a game. It's an Ubisoft game. It's Ubisoft. 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 Yeah. Ubisoft. Ubisoft. Um, yes. Um, but then this E3, they finally they came out and definitively in their well, quotes it, announced it, it. it. It's always been a kind of joke. You say, "Oh, maybe Beyond Good and Evil Two will show up this year." Yeah. And this year it actually did show up. Yeah, actually did. Um, and I'm sort of regretting that, <laughs> I guess, because I mean I, I'm one of the people who's been praying for it because yeah I love Beyond Good and Evil One, and then what they showed uh, was just so far off what feels like Beyond Good and Evil for me, like it just mm. it just hit me really well, hard. I, mean, I, I I went and I played the well I, I saw the trailer and then not long afterwards actually went and played the original game and it's just no comparison between yeah. them at all. 
the the I mean, it's supposed to be a prequel, so it's not a sequel. It's not the same characters, um, and it's not even the same place. But just just the tone is so far removed. It's just it's basically just completely different. There are just a lo- there are a load of animal characters who just seem to be just swearing at each other. There's a lot of swearing. There was none of that in the first game. The first game was a very sort of family quaint, family-friendly, family yeah, endearing yeah. F- bit of fun. Um, and this is like GTA in space with monkeys. But the thing about the, all the swearing in the trailer, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with swe- swearing, but this just lended absolutely nothing to it. Added nothing, yeah. It was, it's basically like whenever you walk down the street these days and you hear someone's conversation and like someone's swearing every other word and you're like, well, what's the point in that? And there was one particular bit where some guy, where there's the monkey who gives a pig a thing and then the pig picks up the thing and then it melts and then the monkey goes, that's Swiss fucking chocolate, mate. And and that was the point at which my soul shattered into a million pieces. And I've uh, I've been teasing Mike about this. I actually got a little block of Swiss chocolate here. It to, is, uh, it's, it's lint. It's lint. Yeah. It's because I love you. I'm sure it is. At least it's delicious. So probably. there's that. Um, but that, yeah, probably that's enough about, enough about that. I, I hope it's not awful is what it comes down to. Well, it may be that that trailer completely rep- misrepresented the game. We well, the game's hope. not going to come for another, like, several years anyway, so... Yeah. We, we, we can hope. Out of sight, out of mind. Okay. Ben, do you want to do a last um, one? Yeah, so last one. How are we off doing? We're, not, we're okay on time. Um, I am going to go with... Um, 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 I'm going to go with Chrono Trigger. Oh! So this is the other JRPG on my list. This one, I guess in Europe is maybe a bit more obscure because it's never released in Europe for yeah. some reason. Yeah, it's like the hipster favourite sort of thing. Well, yeah. Maybe. It, this is a game that I sort of kept on hearing about uh, online and thought maybe I should play this game. It's a SNES game, uh, so I emulated it because I'm a bad person. Also, you literally just can't buy it. Yeah. Unless you buy a, you know, an American SNES. Well, there was a DS re-release, I think, at one point. But you'd have to... Uh, anyway, it was very hard to get hold of. It wasn't on any virtual consoles or anything at the time. Uh, it is a... It's a game that's made by... The, it was called at the time the Dream Team. Which is basically a load of people who worked on the Dragon Quest series. A load of people who worked on the Final Fantasy series. It had um, Akira Yamaoka. No? Yes? No? Wait, Maybe. hang on. I don't think that's the right word. I think that's actually the composer of Silent Hill. Never mind. Close enough. Akira Toriyama? You're looking at me, I don't know. The guy who did Dragon Ball. I ho- really hope that's there right. There was an Akira yes. on the team. Anyway, he did the uh, he did the character designs. Um, and the music was done by Yasunori Mitsuda. It was... Who is now reasonably well known mm. this is basically his, he was a I, I just happened to know this he was a sound designer or something and he said i'm going to leave square unless you let me compose so they said okay man <laughs> and he composed this game so well that he had got like a stomach ulcer and nearly died <laughs> that's what good composers <clears throat> do to you but it's worth it because the music in the, like there, there, are, there are lots of games that have good music and this game is like there is not one single bad track in this game it's really that's impressive. really good Apart, there are a couple of tracks that were made by Nobuo Metsu, who's the uh, Final Fantasy <laughs> the composer. The lesser known composer. Final Fantasy composer. Because, um, yes, Nobuo Metsu got his stomach ulcers and nearly died. And uh, 
And the, 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 the ones by Nobu Matsu are actually generally the weaker tracks. Which is maybe wow, controversial, you... possibly. Not not really. I think that's generally agreed. I just don't... I don't know. It, it's hard to come in and then follow someone else's work mm. and kind of match the tone. So I think that that's, that's understandable. Anyway, so the point is, this is basically the most generic RPG ever made. You are some kid who then goes to a fair and then you have to there's like a runaway princess and you go off and you have adventures and you have to save the world and you have a like robot companion who's called robo and you have some other stuff and the character basically the the core thing of it is time travel so you're time traveling around to different eras and you get sort of you meet characters from different eras and they join your party and there's some weird stuff going and there's this big monster called Lavos who was fell to the earth many 65 million years ago from the current day and is buried into the ground and is going to emerge you're you're in the year 1000 and he's going to emerge in the year 1999 and destroy the world uh, and you find this out by accidentally going to the future through a time portal whilst you know running around doing stuff and uh and then basically someone says look we have to try and save the world here and so you say okay fine there's another thing actually worth noticing noting about all my games i think well apart from lilac wars but um half-life breath of fire maybe not so much mario but i like games that have silent protagonists as Mm. well i like protagonists who shut up Mostly because, you know, it's sort of... It's, sometimes it can make them more interesting if you don't actually know exactly what they're thinking. If you can just see sort of sometimes the sort of script and actions they'll do, uh, that can be more interesting. And Chrono and Ryu are both silent protagonists, which is always quite interesting. And Chrono is actually a really cool character. And I'm going to put some spoilers in here because, whatever, it's an old game. At one point during the storyline, Chrono dies. Ah. And you can go and get him back, but it's kind of really weird because you had this player character and then suddenly he's not there anymore. And it's just, you just go, wait, but then who am I? But then was I? It's really strange, but Mm. it's very interesting. And there's lots of really just cool stuff like that. And it's, it's, I've always said that if you're doing something that there's no harm in sort of taking something generic or something that is, you know, a, a trope if you do it really well and this is a game that is an absolute masterclass in taking everything that is basically standard and doing it really mm. really well it's got the sort of active time battle system from final fantasy but it sort of shifts things around a bit so you can you, you sort of run into enemies and you always fight them sort of in the in the same world that you run into right. them on rather than sort of going to battle screen uh and the sort of the characters are all quite sort of generic but they're just really cool characters and they're just there's just it's really just so good and the storyline is actually sort of keeps things quite tight you just sort of get a bit of an open world bit at the end when you can go around and get do all the quests to get everyone's best gear and then you go off and you fight the final boss it's so cool ah it's been a long time since I actually played it, but I have put a... Re- this is the only game I've played where I think I've actually gone through and got everyone's level to 99. Oh, nice. It's not really not nice. No. It was absolutely just grinding awfulness. But this it's also it's got a new game plus feature in it. It's oh, one right. of the first games ever to have that. So once you've played through it once, you can then play through it again and do interesting things there. Um, 
it's just there's a sequel which is Chrono Cross, which is on the PlayStation, which is a very different game. Still a really good game, but not quite the same. You know, sort of quite a different uh, style and approach. But Chrono Trigger is just yeah. If you like classic RPGs and you haven't played it, then I don't know what you've been doing with your life. I don't know what I've been doing with my life then. Well, there you go. <laughs> Plus, the it's like it's probably one of the games that pushes the snares most and it's really pretty and it's just got great sprite work and it's fantastic i should get on it really you really should before i, mean, I die yeah <laughs> that, that's really all i've got to say there nice um cool <coughs> so this is where i'd say say my fifth game um but i don't don't know what it is <laughs> you, you had a list and then you left it at home i had a list on paper which i left at home before coming to Nottingham. And now I can't remember what my fifth game was. I have a long list of runners-up. Okay. And one of them might have been the mysterious fifth game. I don't know. I can't remember. So instead, I don't know whether it might be worth just going through some runners-up yeah, at this point. I mean, uh, Particularly because we've been going on quite a while. Yeah, if we go through... I mean, I've, I've got a couple of runners-up. So if you just sort of go through your list and just sort of give us a quick rundown on each of them. Okay. When I say quick, I mean quick. Oh, dear. Um, so... Okay, I'll go through what I've got. So Mass Effect 3. Okay. Um, so obviously Mass Effect we've talked about quite a lot. Yeah. And people are probably going to be familiar with. Yeah. Um, Mass Effect 3 is probably my favourite in the series. Um, just because... Well, for a number of reasons. Um, the combat is just so polished, I think, at that mm. point. Um, so it doesn't get in the way as much. Um, it's still this really curated linear experience mm. but feels so wide mm. and open and cool um your squad mates your companions are obviously amazing you get some great as long moments. as they're not all dead as long as they're not all dead um the story obviously has reached its peak at this mm. point and like the scale is so grand um one of the big pluses about it as well is the multiplayer mode is just yeah. like surprisingly great and i've played it for so many hours um, and still holds up, and it's yeah, it's just just really good. Um, yeah, just, I mean, I, I'll just say quickly about Mass Effect Three because I really enjoy that game as well. Basically, for me, it takes what's good about Mass Effect One and what's good about Mass Effect Two. I'm not so fond of Mass Effect Two is always the sort of black horse, black sheep for me. Mm. Lots of people always say that. Some people say Mass Effect Two is the best one. I think they're full of crap, but mm. <clears throat> it takes the sort of combat refinements from. Mass Effect 2, and then sort of brings what in what was good from Mass Effect one. Uh, 1, which is more RPG-like. Mass Effect 2 is more combat-y. Mm. And just sort of makes it, just sort of pushes them together. So mechanics are really great, and it's got that whole sort of desperate kind of feel to it. You're yeah. saying, oh, we've really got to do this, otherwise the world is going to end. Yeah. And it's a really great game, apart from the last 15 minutes. But I really, I don't think that should be counted against it as much as it is. You can yes. t- you can forget about the last 15 minutes. The rest of the game is fantastic. Yeah, people literally just write off that game because of the ending. But it's just like, there are so many amazing hours mm. before that. Um, but yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's really good. Um, Andromeda, I found, okay, not as good as the... Okay. Well, definitely not as good as ME3. Yes. Um, I feel like I possibly had something else to say, but I can't be bothered. Okay. So... Next on the list is 
Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Oh man, my least favourite 3D Zelda. My favourite Zelda game of all time. Um, when I say my least favourite 3D Zelda, I mean I still think it's an absolutely outstanding game. <laughs> it's just it's got some tough competition. It does have some tough competition. And like, yeah, it's 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 fairly close for me still. Um, but yeah, Wind Waker is my favourite. I mean, we've established that I'm a GameCube man. Mm. Um I, I mean, I just really love the cartoony art style. Mm. It's fantastic. I think they use it really well. It takes a bit of a turn from the more, quote-unquote, realistic Zelda. Do you own Wind Waker HD? I do, yes. Yeah, because that was one thing for me. is just like Wind Waker on GameCube looked pretty good. Wind Waker in HD was actually very few tweaks. just looks absolutely stunning. It looks stunning. stunning, yeah. It looks phenomenal. So. Um, but, yeah, and I think... What I like most about it is just, yeah, it, it's a lot more light-hearted, a lot more bright as a world mm. and vibrant compared to most other Zeldas, especially yeah. like Ocarina of Time, like Twilight Princess, which can be quite grimy. Mm. Um, and this just felt fun and engaging. And yeah, like, and all the dungeons are great. Well, not all of them, you know, yeah. like no, no, no Zelda game is perfect, but like, you know, there's nothing wrong with it um, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, there's some great sort of sidey, fun, questy things to do. Um, just sailing is mm. fantastic. Composing random stuff is fun. The Koroks that it introduces mm. are great fun. Um, and yeah, I just, I just really like it. Funnily enough, like Final Fantasy VIII, I've never actually completed it. Okay. Because, again, I've got to the very end. Like I've got to like mm. you know where you fight Ganon and spoilers. Um, and at that point I was like, you know what I should do before I complete the game? I should complete the, like, the the statue mm. hall thing. Like, you, get, you in, in Wind Waker you have, like, a picture box camera thing. Mm. You go around and take pictures of things. Um, and then towards the end of the game you unlock this guy who basically turns the photos that you take of things into statues, like little figures of the characters and people in the world. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take photos of everyone and everything before I finish the game, um, which I then never did, unsurprisingly. But I had a lot of fun doing it. Okay. So. Um, I'm going to jump in there quickly and sit, talk about one of my runners-up, which is Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Oh, man, my least favourite Zelda game. <laughs> your least favourite Zelda or your least favourite 3D Zelda? or just My least favourite Zelda. Oh, man, okay. But Worse carry on. Than, like, Adventure of Link. I've not played Adventure of Link, so oh, there you go. that's why. Worse yeah, I haven't like, played all the Zeldas. So I'm not going to pretend like, to. Worse than, like, the CDI ones. Uh, yeah, and ca- carry on. Okay, anyway. well, anyway, I really like Majora's Mask. Um, I I mean, it, it's, a, it's a sort of, it's a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time. It's running on the same engine, uh, except enhanced on the N64 using, using the power of the expansion pack. <laughs> Extra four, four megabits of memory or something. Oh, those are the is. days. Um, oh man, sorry, Cameron. I really like the game. Uh, I think it's sort of. I always quite quite like the sort of Zelda side quests. I'm not such a fan of Zelda dungeons and uh, Majora's Mask. It's sort of running on a three day cycle. It's like uh, Groundhog Day type thing. You just keep doing these three days over and over again, and it uses that in very interesting ways. There's loads of really interesting characters. I love talking to all the characters. Um, and yeah, I just I really like it's. Load, the whole game is just like one really big side quest and it's I love that uh, the music is sort of not quite as tight as maybe in Ocarina of Time but it's still a great game I the, should the, mention how good the music is in Wind Waker as well but carry on oh yeah Wind Waker's got amazing music which is probably better than the music in 
um, Jorah's Mask by far, but you know, it's still a great game and I really enjoy it. Uh, I was going to say something else there, but, and you, 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 you wear masks and you can do, it's quite a dark game. It's got some sort of quite creepy things for a Zelda game, but, uh, and the whole thing is quite apocalyptic because there's a big moon that's going to fall on the world in three days and kill everyone. So it's quite a creepy moon. Yeah. It's a really creepy moon. It's got a funny face on it. Yeah. But I really like it. Cool. Here you go. Well, at least some kind of Zelda's made an appearance in, in each of our lists. Majora's Mask was very close to being on the main list, but then it just, I don't know, it wasn't quite there. Um, so as I said, this is a really long list of runners-up for me, so I can just rattle through okay. some of them, I guess. Um, I've got Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. Interesting. One on there. Um, I love the Phoenix Wright series. It's fantastic. It's different to a lot of other things yeah. um it's just really fun it's got a great tone great translation um i've particularly chosen number one um the ds version so it's got the extra case on the yeah. end because that case is just phenomenal okay really really good um worth playing phoenix white if you haven't done so before i've always meant to never quite got around to it definitely should. haven't owned a ds or anything or yeah I, I i basically only bought into that family of consoles for phoenix white Okay. And Fire Emblem, which is also on my okay. on my uh, runners on. up runners up category. Um, I was unsure of which one to pick. If I had to pick one, I think if I had to pick one, it was Awakening. Awakening um, is fantastic. It is really really good. Um, yeah, Fire Emblem just brilliant turn based tactical combat with so many characters, which are all so interesting and different and fun and. Yeah, and you can do all the pairing people off. And yeah. that's, all, that's always good fun, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what else have we got? XCOM 2, another turn-based... Very similar to Fire Emblem in terms of mechanics, I guess. Yeah. But uh, very different in tone and setting and, and everything like that. Um, I think just took everything XCOM 1. This is the new XCOMs, obviously. Yeah. XCOM 1, Enemy Unknown, did, and just built on it. And it's a phenomenal game. XCOM one, XCOM Enemy Unknown, as opposed to XCOM and Enemy Unknown, which are actually the same game. The original XCOM, the original original. The game, original XCOM was XCOM UFO Defense. I think that in 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 some areas it was called XCOM, and in some areas it was called Enemy Unknown. Right. Just okay. to be really confusing. That is really confusing. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I'm going to jump into the yeah, game. Yeah, do it. Uh, I've got uh, Dark Souls on here. Uh huh. Which is, you know, another one of those really popular games. Everyone likes to talk about how great it is. It is. Do you know why they like to talk about how great it is? Is it because is it it's really great then? It's really great. Oh, man. I mean, you know, there's not really much more you can say about Dark Souls. It's hard. It's not that hard. It's got a bit of a learning curve to get the mechanics down. Once you've got the mechanics down, it's sort of, it's it's hard, but it's not sort of obnoxious. It's I've played harder games. But, you know, it's a really fun game. It's really well-polished. The storyline's really interesting. The characters are interesting. You can play as, sort of, as much interested in the storyline as you like. You can be more or less interested, um, however you want to play it. It's really good, and I, I like it. Uh, it was a good bonding exercise for me and my girlfriend. She huh. well, Shortly after we met, she said, oh, you should play Dark Souls. And I said, oh, okay. So I ended up sort of playing it mostly. It was sort of, I was playing it with her watching me, and it was a, uh, it was, you know... It's got that place in my heart now. I think those Souls games and like Bloodborne are yeah. good ones to play with with people. Yeah, they're always sort of entertaining to watch yeah. people just die or just, just shove them at the wrong moment so they die. Indeed, lots of death. Yes. Uh, shall I jump back in yeah. with mine? 
Cool. Uh, a few more. Uh, I thought I should make an honourable mention of Smash Brothers as a game series. Okay. Because just so many hours of my life yeah. um, has been dedicated to those games. And they're just basically brilliant as yeah. multiplayer experiences when you've got mates over. Um, don't really need to say much more than that. If I had to pick one, maybe Brawl? Oh. I don't know. Nice I just place. sort of pulled that out of yeah. nowhere, really. Um, I really... I, if, if there's one I played the most, it's probably the N64 original, but... That's just because that was the game that we had at the time when I was playing with, had people to play with. Also a great game, and revolutionary. <coughs> mm. um, if completely unbalanced. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, F-Zero GX. So... This sounds like the sort of Lilac Wars of my one. Well, F-Zero X would be the, the Lilac Wars of your one, Well, yes, no, I mean just sort of the equivalent game of it's just kind of a silly game, but it's It is very great. silly, um, but it's phenomenal. I love F-Zero. Um... Racing games, I like Nintendo racing games and not really other ones, yeah. basically. And F-Zero, I think, is probably my favourite. Um, so it doesn't have weapons, um, like Mario really Kart fast. or whatever. It's just very, very fast, very funky cars, ridiculous characters driving them. Yes. Um, you can like shunt people and kill them that way, uh, yeah. which is good fun and a skill of its own. Um, but the environments are amazing. The music is so cool. I'm particularly... F-Zero GX has such a crazy, ridiculous, very Japanese story mode, um, mm. which is brutally difficult and very silly, and I'm glad that I've, I've managed to complete it, and it's, yes. it's, it's very cool. How many more games do you have? Five. Oh, shit. <laughs> but I, I should just talk about them very we, quickly. We, we've got about two minutes. I can rattle through I, I, them. I've got one more thing I want to talk about. I'll so. do two more, then you go, and then I'll finish it off yeah I won't, I won't say much about the others left for dead we've already touched on source engine oh really interesting. very good fun co-op zombie killing game i mean that's left for dead one or left for dead two one that's okay, interesting yeah i, I never really played one i only played two but then all the campaigns from one were in two so. yeah they did do that eventually, okay so anyway. which probably fixes that but yeah left for dead one amazing diablo 3 i really like diablo games um action rpgs i guess that's a genre i should have said yeah. that i'm into because i am um i like the loot mechanics particularly it's all you know feeds into that compulsion in my brain um and just like clicking on stuff and watching it die and diablo 3 is just a perfect example of that blizzard is so good at like just polishing and perfecting these games and diablo 3 is great uh i'm gonna say metroid prime trilogy even though i never actually really played echoes which is number two properly i really love metroid prime one i really love metroid prime three uh, I really love the Metroid series in general, but I feel like, well, Super Metroid is fantastic. <clears throat> uh, Metroid Prime 1 and 3, and probably 2 as well, are just really good games, really well made, just really tight controls, really just good game design, really great art, everything, just so good. Play them. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. Uh, Monkey Island 3. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Another genre that I like is like point-and-click adventure games, um, but specifically Monkey Island. Monkey Island is a fantastic series with just a great sense of humour, a great setting, and very silly puzzles. Okay. Um, Donkey Kong 64, which is a phenomenal game, but I was sort of only really reminded to put it on the list when you mentioned the expansion pack for the N64, because <laughs> um, that, that needed that. That's why I got it. Um, but yeah, and had a multiplayer for some reason, which was very silly. Uh, and finally... I need to make a mention of Dynasty Warriors as a franchise, um, because again, another one that I've sunk hundreds of hours into. 
uh, and is very close to my heart, even though it's basically like a running joke at this point in time. Um, specifically, Dynasty Warriors 5 Extreme Legends is probably the high point of the series for me, which really? probably says it all. <laughs> I think that does say quite a lot. So without any further ado, maybe, yeah. um, we'll be back in who knows how long. Probably three to four months. Three to four months. To talk about, who knows? Maybe it's an anime roundup. <laughs> maybe it will be. Maybe it'll be the end of the year anime roundup. We'll um, see. This is a very silly really podcast that we do. I really haven't watched many shows this year. So. Maybe it'll be the Pacific Rim roundup. And also we've talked about the shows I've watched already. So, yeah, that's true. You know, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll work out something to do next time. And you, listener... We'll uh, be able to tune in. Hooray. Hooray. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I guess. There you go. I've been Ben. <laughs> I am Mike still. There you go. Ta ta. TTFN. Who says that? <laughs>